Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guest this week is Paula Brancati, an actor, producer, and writer who co-stars in the latest season of Slasher, Guilty Party, which is streaming on Netflix right now, just in time for Halloween. She also produced and co-starred in Sadie's Last Day on Earth, co-wrote and co-starred in People Hold On, and played Jane Vaughn on Degrassi The Next Generation, so, you know. You've seen her around. Paula picked The Godfather, Francis Ford Coppola's 1972 Colossus that, 45 years after its release, stands as one of the greatest American movies ever made. Coming out of pretty much nowhere, Coppola turned Mario Puzo's pulp novel into a sprawling, somber drama about a close-knit Italian-American family that just happens to be filled with monstrous criminals. And he cast it with an array of brilliant performers. Marlon Brando won the Oscar for wearing pounds of latex, but everyone around him was just as great. You know, a bunch of nobodies named Al Pacino, James Caan, Diane Keaton, Talia Shire, Robert Duvall, and John Cazale. Nominated for 11 Oscars, the film won Best Actor, Best Picture, and Best Adapted Screenplay, and set the stage for Coppola to roar back two years later with The Godfather Part Two, a masterpiece in its own right. Part Three, not so much. This is someone else's movie. Oh my god, there's a few reasons. Um, first of all, when I was thinking of what to choose... I wanted to pick The Godfather and was like, how Sicilian can I get? Because <laughs> my mom was like, you're not, you're not actually doing it. I'm like, yeah, of course I'm going to do The Godfather. I, when I was, a, so my family is, is Sicilian, spoiler. <laughs> um, my dad watched this movie when he was very little. He was like nine, I think, when he watched it. My grandfather, my nonno, snuck him into the movie theater. He's oh, like, wow. oh, I'm going to take Tony to the movies. Took him to the movies. My dad was terrified, like toll booths are still a heavy trigger for him (laughs) it's a heavy experience so then he would talk about he would like tell us bedtime stories that were like i'll tell you about my favorite movies so like he'd tell my brother and i about the godfather or like elvis presley's story which is a dark one anyways i know what a strange childhood but um he it's a vivid childhood (laughs) vivid and rich and so he had the book the mario puzzo book and i was like i haven't watched the movie yet but can i read it so I read the book, actually, which wasn't appropriate for kids. I was going to say, the book is actually more, like, it's way more sexual than Totally. Don't think he had any recollection of that. But I was kind of into it. And then, <laughs> and then eventually watched the movie and, like, loved it. And then, you know, and I loved two and then was scared about three because I'd heard all these, like, it's not going to live up, it's not going to live up. But I, I actually really dug three, too. Okay. Um, but yeah, it just has a lot. It's a movie that like I could watch over and over and over again. Can say most of the dialogue throughout. Our family loves it. I think like, uh, you know, I'm tentative to to feed into the like Sicilian mob stereotypes because I think there's so much more than that. But what I think the movie does beautifully is that like, yes, it's about the mob, but it's you feel this family. I was just rewatching the opening wedding scene oh, like yeah. before coming and. That opening wedding scene just showed, like, what a beautiful intro to a movie where you get, you learn about all this world so fast, and it just feels like another wedding. I really, I don't know, I just think it's, I think it's just one of the best movies ever made. I mean, I think... And I haven't seen them all, all the movies in the world, but I definitely feel like it's... Well, I was going to say, it would be hard to find somebody to, like, really... I, I keep waiting for it. I keep waiting for the shift... The, like, the millennial shift where someone's like, oh, oh my Godfather, God. big deal. It's oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'll be so scared. And that. You're right. We never know. Because everything, you know, 
this is why you're wrong, right? That's what the that's what the new internet memes are. Yeah, you, know, you think the Godfather is a great movie, but here's what's really like, I, I actually the Star Wars prequels are like no, no. A great point. I haven't heard that perspective on this movie. Yeah, I don't think you could. Like I know um, there's a. I guess he's 25 now, a friend of mine, who says that he found the conversation really slow. And it's like, yeah, okay, I get that. If you're, yeah, like, if I guess. you're raised on speedier cinema. And well, you it's a long know, movie. Yeah. It's a long movie, but I feel like... Oh, no, like sorry, it. I meant Coppola's the movie, The Conversation. Oh, Coppola's movie, yeah, The Conversation the is one, slow. I see That was the one he thought was too slow, but he's I still see. fine with The Godfather. Yeah, but I feel like slow conversation is something... Or just packed conversation is something that's missing sometimes. I mean, I just love conversation in, in general, but... Right. Um, if, P- if the characters are interesting in a film, then I'm interested in what they're saying. It doesn't all have to be quick. Mm-hmm. I also, I mean, I watched a movie recently, I can't remember what it was, and said, uh, why is this this long? Like, why is it this long? Like, if something's over 90 minutes now, I'm like, what is, is it <laughs> The Godfather? Like, what's happening? Um, so, I don't know, I feel like, I feel like every minute is warranted of the conversations in this movie, but, but generally, like, yeah, I think that millennials now are just used to seeing things that are fast. And also with the change in TV, I think, mm-hmm. um, there's also just so much content. So everyone's watching a really high quality show for an hour that feels like an entire movie all the time. Yeah. And you, you know have, what I mean? You have one eye on the clock or one eye on the other screen or everybody's talking about how there's distracted viewing right. playing into it now. Yeah. But, but at the same time, people are willing to binge six hours in a day of, of an entire run of a, an animated series or something you know, like uh, what was the last one right love came out and everybody said that they were three o'clock in the afternoon people were finished it i know I, I know. like the show but i gotta breathe i mean right I like, have no problem with pacing it yeah i wonder if it's um if binge culture just means we're just making things in a different way now where we know you'll just there's an obsessive quality to everyone it's like i want to see it i'm gonna see it you know all today i will not like no moderation mm. I mean, I have great fond memories of waiting for a new episode of something to come sure, out. Yeah. And, like, you know, when Seinfeld was ending, I remember being devastated because it was like we'd been waiting for the new episode every week. And um, now that Will and Grace, I'm a big sitcom fan also. Oh, yeah. And now with that back, I'm like, oh, I forgot what it was like to wait for your favorite sitcom on a Thursday. Like, that's really cool, you know? So. Yeah, and it's been a long time. Like, that's an experience an entire generation hasn't had. It's exactly. Which is unimaginable to me. Well, computers, it's a whole other thing. Yeah. Like, I couldn't, I don't know, how was I finding, like, I couldn't, if I didn't watch it the TV, I couldn't, I didn't have an option to go to Netflix or to the CBC player or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there was a point, I think it was in 1976 or 77, whenever it was, where they did, where CBS aired the entire Godfather, right? The complete epic. That was a big deal That's then. That's right. And they do around Christmas reordering. do that, or they'll do yeah. that. Yes, exactly. And they'll do it again every Christmas. It's not even a Christmas movie, but no, it's, it's family to me. Yeah, it feels super holiday now. It's all the cooking. It's all the eating right? and the like loud the... and the sort of, yeah. Um, yeah, the chronolo- watching it in chrono is really interesting. Yeah, I still don't, I mean, I get it. I understand the appeal no, of it, not, but it's, it's, point, it's the whole point of the, of the movie is that the first film is that there is no... Absolutely, the second one is that yeah. there's flashbacks, I know. Yeah, I and know the second one, weird. the flashbacks are designed to contrast with the present and comment on it. That's all, like, it's, it's all yeah, it's, continuum. It's, it's butchering the thing. It kind of <laughs> For is. sure. I'm yeah. shocked that that's allowed. Yeah. Plus that they aired it on... I mean, yeah, they took some of the sex and violence out, but not all of it. And it's, you know, no. for the 70s when people were talking about, you know, protecting children from things they could wander into. And no. I remember mature warnings for like, bad TV movies and stuff. I was going to say, I feel like this, if any 
you know, kid is watching this now, it's so tame. It would be. Right? I imagine. Yeah. I mean, yeah, somebody blows up in a car. Somebody else gets like, shot in the eye. Okay. What are you going to do? Yeah, they're like, it's fine. Mm. I do miss, for, you know, I do miss Jimmy Khan in the second one a lot, and I miss De Niro in the first oh, one. Like, yeah. there is that so where I'm sort of... like, oh, we're lo- there's two characters that I love that you don't get to have in the same thing. Yeah, it kind of infiltrates the memory. As Fine, I'll watch them both. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was going to say, <laughs> like, like, if there were worse things than spending seven hours watching both oh, films. Just but, the joy. Yeah, but it is like, I, I was trying to place it in context in 72 where. You know, Altman was sort of starting, and the, the new Hollywood renaissance was happening. Yes. American cinema was scrappy and handheld, and all of a sudden, Coppola just produces this thing, which starts with yeah. a horn solo and a close-up, and it just takes its that time. opening shot. It took its time, yeah. and you're building. I mean, I think it was in a lot of ways the beginning of the anti-hero. You know, and. Sure. And creating not just one, like you have a, a group of people that you're following that are doing really bad things, and yet everything they say, you're kind of like, I want you to do well. Like yeah. I'm, I'm co-signing everything. Um, and like the dawn is beautiful, but I think having it be Pacino, sort of like I'm a huge, huge, huge Pacino fan. Everything sure. though, from like Dog Day Afternoon yeah. and um, Serpico and all of it. So knowing how hard he had to work to get that job and how much they knew, you know, all the stories, of course, they almost fired him. It is, you know, it is crazy to think about how many things had to fall into place for the movie that we see to happen. Crazy. I mean, I remember the, I think it was the first VHS special edition release or whatever it was way, way back when, where they included footage of De Niro auditioning for Sonny. Exactly. I love that. I would watch that, but it wouldn't be the same. It would be radically different. Radically different. Because De Niro doesn't care if you like him and Khan wants to be like, he... Sonny is, in his mind, Sonny is a really nice guy. Yeah, that's, I know, you know. De Niro doesn't have that. (laughs) Yeah, that's such an interesting way of comparing their approach to it, because I think that's true. He's kind of doing Johnny Boy from Mean Streets. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. charming, but it's empty. Well, yeah, like, James Conn didn't play it like a cool guy, even though Sonny's incredibly cool and sexy to me. Like, I think he thinks, he he wants to please Mm -hmm. the family also, and wants to do, well, there's one of my favorite lines that he does, is, um... They're on the phone, so Lotso's like, don't lose that famous temper of yours. And he goes, oh, wait. <laughs> I just, I like the, I like that nothing's ever pushed, I think, by anyone in the movie. It feels yeah. really, um, oh my God, what's Connie's name? What's the actress, the amazing? Oh, Tally Sharp. Yeah, t- yeah, like. Director's sister. Amazing. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Jason Incred- Schwartzman's mother. It just gets weirder and weirder when you unpack the Oh my god, that family stuff, web. Well, yeah. the whole business is pretty. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I love that Jason Schwartzman and Nicolas Cage are cousins, and no one ever talks. You're about You're blowing it. my mind. Oh yeah, no, they're all like it's not incestuous, but there's definitely a web. Yeah, there's a web it's that starts totally, in this movie and just radiates out. Totally. Outwards. Well, and there's something in. It might have been the spe- the behind the scenes special thing you were talking about, but someone described. Um, that the reason the the opening and the whole film really feels so authentic is because Coppola perfumed it with his own family memory memories, and sure. that is what I think makes you know that that way of filmmaking so beautiful. That's why I can watch it anytime and be like, I feel like I'm right there with them, mm. and I feel like we know those people. I I just get so excited by that. Love that the authenticity. The, yeah, the, the authenticity and, and feeling like we're popping in. I like feeling like when I'm watching movies, like I'm really popping into, um, like I'm peeking in on someone's life as as they're living it. I don't know if you feel this, but where it's like, even yeah. if it's a world that's really foreign to me, 
I think the best films do that, where you just feel like, oh, I like, oh my god, this is so personal, but I feel like I shouldn't be there. Or like, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the restaurant sense that, scene. The sense that there's life happening around the corner and outside, and that there's everything. Yes, every nook and cranny, right? Yeah, yeah. That really gets that really jazzed me up. And yeah. the and the restaurant scene, scene. That poor waiter. <laughs> I know. He's gonna have to live I with know. this. I that even the sound design for that whole scene mm-hmm. has like I reference it a lot when we're making stuff now where oh, I'm yeah. like oh that's it could we do like a drone thing like the like when Michael's hearing the train like I'm I watch it for a lot of reasons but the slow pace and also that they're speaking in Sicilian for a bunch of it and they don't mm. have subtitles I think is so telling because it doesn't matter yeah what they're saying like that's how distracted he is yeah like it uh, you know I can understand it but yeah, no one else really needs to know what they're saying. It's like he, it, it. They just take their time, you know. Yeah, it's funny. The so was as soon as you said that, I thought about. Oh, that's right. Other scenes are subtitled. Like a lot of them. I are, know, and I think it's two, so right? such a specific choice yeah. to go. They're talking for a bit, and Michael can't really speak. Yeah, he's very well. trying to follow along, and you feel the tension. Oh, and Sicilians are, me being one of them, <laughs> um, but with no mob ties, but um, definitely there's this thing that happens where I grew up raised by my parents and my four grandparents so mm. I would speak the dialect all the time with them okay. there's this sort of thing that happens where I realize like there's a respect thing and not so much with them but when I'm seeing aunts and uncles or whatever if you know the dialect you're going to speak it with everybody um, so when he's put on the spot in that scene I always feel for him because he's like the panic of like okay I just have to speak English now like we got to just get down to brass tacks um, I think it's really it's really cool and it's very authentic you know yeah, it's funny. I, as you're saying that, I'm thinking like, yeah, that's right. My grandparents all spoke Yiddish, and I could understand them, but I could I could follow along, but I was you useless like, at actually talking. Pop in? Nah, no, no. I was I, too little, I think, and then they stopped. They sort of transitioned out of it. Can they, they speak? It, could they speak English as well? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. But they were like when they when they were trying to hide stuff from us. That's when they started talking right. Yiddish. I was like, I can follow that. And that's when kids start going, oh. Okay, yeah. well, then I got to... That's when you learn. Then I got to learn a little bit. I have this theory that my nonni... Well, they do. They speak some English, but my one grandmother in particular... Um, I have a theory that she knows way more English than she lets on. <laughs> then she'll pop in. And I'm like, oh, you totally know what I'm saying. That's strategy. <laughs> Very clever, I yeah. I like it. It's a good way to keep up with the kids. Totally, totally. <laughs> and the... Um, yeah, and, and the, 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 the inflections, the way that... The, well, the way that people speak a language that isn't their first language is something that the movie really gets too because I just keep coming back to Vito and and what Brando does and he is yeah he is doing so much work to disguise himself which should be obnoxious (laughs) and isn't because it I mean I can only imagine I was four in 72 so I didn't see The Godfather until the 80s Um, but I can only imagine what it would have been like to watch that and know who Marlon Brando was. Right, to be like this... Uh, yeah, to, to be those other actors. To just go see that the and year see them, after, right? Yeah, it's... I, I don't even know... I'm sure... I don't know if you've seen... It's on my Instagram, but... I don't know if you've seen the photo of his makeup test. Oh, where, yeah. You've seen it, of course. Stuff, yeah. where, and he was a huge part of... He's the one who, like, um, suggested that they put cotton balls in his mouth. You know, all this, mm. but, like... So that, you know, it sounded like he probably got shot years ago. Like, creating all this detail work that's... You know, so... So genius... And that they thought to cast him yeah. is really interesting, you yeah. know? I was trying to figure out what the other options were. This is a little game. That's you know, a fun like, thing. Who else would you have cast? Who? And then you realize that you could, yeah, you could recast the younger roles, but there is no, like, there's no other possibility now I that I've seen so. Brando. Who was that? Was there anyone that 
that was the actual age, I wonder, at that time. Yeah, there must have been people. I mean... But... Why wouldn't Sterling you have Hayden, maybe? Like, they're actors. Right. Sterling Hayden's the, always the go-to guy in these situations, because he's the... Maybe they've thought, and we're like, we've yeah. got to think outside of the box. Like, Spencer Tracy under makeup. Someone would have had a bad idea here or there to try it with somebody. Yeah, it just felt so in the pocket. And, um, you know, you he I, he won the Oscar for, he did, for Best yeah. Actor. And he was in, obviously, a whole bunch, but... But he actually dies in, like, I think it's... I think... I don't know if this is true. Maybe I'm making... Maybe it's a thing my dad told me. Like, that he won the Oscar and it was only in three quarters. That's a very... For lead actor is actually oh, really see. rare. Something yeah, well, because so much of it is ensemble. Time. It's so much is ensemble and then he's gone. And there's the the Sicily flashbacks that he's not... That's true. You know, there's all that period. Yeah, I um, mean, he dies at the very end of the movie, but yeah, there's stuff... Ish. Yeah, you're right. Well, no, I mean, there's one scene afterwards, right? The consolidation and then... True, all the... Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess big, he's just, like, scene, in the but... hospital for a bit, but... Yeah, he cares. He does, what he the did is... Grove thing, you know... That scene, the Orange Grove, you can only imagine. I'm, I mean, you don't know me, but I'm weeping when that oh, comes really? up. Oh, That's... yeah. Well, he came up with the... The Orange thing, yeah. The Orange thing, but, yeah, I have such a close relationship with my my grandfather, who's alive, and the one who passed away was oh, we were so close... And there's so much, there's so much symbolism behind the garden and how much time is spent in pride also of, yeah. of their respective gardens. And like for him to kind of die there is, is beautiful and poetic and traumatic. And, um, yeah, so that's, you know, really, ooh, it's, yeah. it's so good. And the stuff in Sicily, I think is done really beautifully. Like even, even in the way it's colored, like it's warmer yeah, and it's golden, gold, yeah, right? It's, it's, it's so rich. Burnished sort of quality. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it looks like looks like Pacino just like developed a tan the second he got there. They were like, "He's been in Sicily." Um, even I just, just assumed they painted him, but yeah, you're right. They, <laughs> Maybe they were like spent some time. Yeah. yeah, and that he um he even his character work is obviously incredible detail work. He just seems like a whole like you see the shift there that he's like now killed a man, and also is like more relaxed. Yeah. Like it's such a fascinating yeah thing to happened, you know. And the, you know, if you, I'm trying to remember, somebody described it as, you know, like, the whole movie is a battle for Michael Corleone's soul, but I don't think that's true. That's I think he's always going in that direction, right? Like, it's an inevitability. It's not suspenseful. He's... Oh, you think that there's people who... Well, see, he's you grown up in this, like, well, I guess... People are like, well, he won't, hey? Like, that kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. Will I he don't feel like it's as you... big a struggle as anyone wants no, it to be. No, exactly. Kay wants it to be. Like, Kay, his wife wants yeah. her, her husband to be a decent man. And you know, like that—that's why the ending lands as well as it does, because it ultimately does boil down this massive story to a, oh, this man is lost to his wife. Like it's over now. Yeah. He's, he's embracing evil. Yeah. But I think she's maybe fooling herself about the possibility that he won't. Well, I think the fact that we're hearing—you're so right—and I think the fact that we hear her receive the. Inf- I mean, I don't know how new their relationship is when we meet them in the movie, but she's. Learning the info yeah. at the wedding yeah, while yeah. they're eating, and he's telling you know he's just dropping this bomb in a casual like everyone's laughing around them, and she doesn't know what she's in for that poor woman. Yeah, you and know? I assume they've been together long enough because if he's bringing her to his family, that well, Sicilians, family. I, I I assumed that, but yeah. she they seem pretty chill. Yeah, they're pretty chill. She she's a perfect foil for him. Like I loved their chemistry. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's again, it's one of those movies where you're watching and you're like, oh, nobody knew who these people were. How do you how no. do you not know who Diane Keaton is? How Although do you they know? wanted her for, for a while, so she... I don't know if you saw that footage where she was tested with a bunch of people who weren't him. Oh, that's right. She's doing the reading. Did the scene over and over again. 
And it kept coming back to Pacino and Coppola would throw Pacino in at the last second of every mix. Like, okay, we'll put, we'll throw my mother in. I mean, I, I also think that that's really cool to hear about, to know that, you know, a director can really, just to hear about a relationship that was forged where a director has an actor's back yeah. So intensely yeah, from the get-go before, you know, just going, this is the movie I want to make with this person, and I'm really going to fight for them. It's really, uh, really cool. Yeah, you know? and increase, I mean, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that it's increasingly rare these days, but probably it's not, right? Like, at a certain level of budget, you can work with whoever you want, as long as they I'd like to think so, and I yeah. think that's that's probably the case. And at a, at, at a smaller budget, you also have that, I think, on both ends of the spectrum, maybe. Yeah, but there's true. a whole place in the middle where... And with social media now, I think there's a huge change where, first of all, actors, I think, are uh, encouraged to have a social media presence so that that's attractive or something. And then, yeah, there's definitely bugs in ears of like, if someone has so many followers, that could be helpful or whatever, which is feels icky to to consider or talk about, you know, or to think that you're being like viewed in that way. So I don't think it's probably the equivalent of this many Tiger Beat covers. Right, like totally. You're right. People know who this person is, and also there's this additional value. Right, it's but, about it's like a dollar sign for yeah. them a little bit, whereas like. But it's awful. <laughs> like, I it's, think it's, it's de- exploitative and awful. Yeah, I, I think if it's done in a way, I think any time it's it's something that someone isn't interested in doing or doesn't serve their career or, or feels like it's pr- a private thing that's you know you're let's say you have a private account and you want something to be public, then that feels like contrived. But it's the whole scope of filmmaking is. Changing. I mean, I just read yeah. something that Netflix is coming out with. Is it eighty feature, eighty original features? I heard about that. Yeah, next like, year there will be. Which is amazing. Films. Also, it's insane. But also, you're like, yeah. How do they even? Who's the the being able to pump that out is so impressive. Obviously, it's different people making those eighty movies, but right. yeah, there's just so much content. Yeah, and I think about that announcement, and I, I first of all, I'm, that's 160 hours minimum. That's going to kill me. <laughs> you're like, uh, see you in, in this yeah, screening exactly. room. Yeah, <laughs> but the. But all that's going to do, I think, in the end, because of the way Netflix pushes stuff, is push the the other stuff back. Like you'll, the the things that they have purchased mm-hmm. won't be as visible because they're not Netflix originals, and it doesn't right. profit them as much to screen to push them in the front. Interesting. And you're constantly fighting against this flood of, I mean, people will look at the menu for an hour and think they've seen them all, and then just not bother watching something. There's a lot that I'm worried I've missed. Oh, of course there you is. You know, yeah. in the in the library, I feel like I need to do another catch up survey of like, what do you want to, what do you feel like watching this second? What mood have you been in this week? Yeah, you know, it's impossible to to cover everything. I mean, to anyone's satisfaction, especially when totally. those eighty films will also be accompanied by, I'm guessing, fifty series of some sort. You know, fifty limited runs or episodics or or something that totally. dumps ten hours of Mindhunter on you and that kind of thing. Yeah, lots to watch. Yeah, lots well, of good things to watch. Yeah, you know? it's I I want well, and it's this brings us, this brings us back to the idea of like a long form film where yeah, if you tell someone they should be. I mean, I know there are people out there who haven't seen the Godfather movies. It's it's natural. You can't see everything. <gasps> Everybody has blind spots. I know. I've been showing. I like screened it for somebody last uh, Christmas. Actually, was like, oh, it's your. You haven't seen it? It's fine. I'll host a thing. I talked basically throughout the whole thing. We'll try and not. I'm like, are you comfortable with me saying some of the dialogue along? Or like, not. Did whatever. I think it was slightly charming, but who knows? Doing another one next week. Oh really? Before I even yeah, that was in motion. Good so two God. of my besties are gonna. They're dying to see it. They're like, we've been holding off for a couple of years because I think we should watch it with you. And Aww. so I'm, um, yeah, I feel like I'm giving people a gift when I 
Yeah. You yeah. know, bring them into my space. And I just shout at them to watch Galaxy Quest. That's... Uh, she- Colin Tony. I don't know Galaxy Quest. No? No. Oh, my God. Oh. You're like, we need oh. to do a whole other well, podcast I mean, about Galaxy Quest. don't have anything Quest. else to do. So... Okay, we, we have established that it's all right for people not to see, not to see everything or to not to know about everything. I mean, it's impossible. There's so much stuff. People keep, you know... It is impossible. I do. I'm in, I am interested, though, in, like, the must-watch movies. Right. Of, of just either people, either, you know, people you're working with. Like, if I'm working with somebody, I'm like, what are your... Okay, what, what are films that inspire you, especially if we're, you know, making something together? Right. And then there's filmmakers that are important to different people that I think, you know, I might not even have... A way like I don't I don't know everything there's to know of course about a lot of filmmakers but uh, yeah there are a few, Godfather for me falls under a like watch it and you'll love it at some point in your life I think mm. you it's, know it's it's a cornerstone right like I mean you need to there are a handful of movies that they 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 don't create a genre but they perfect it and then everything right. that comes afterwards is indebted to them like you can't have you can argue whether you know, do you prefer the classical mob movie of The Godfather or the the more nervous contemporary stuff like in Goodfellas that mm-hmm. uh, that created the other template? Yeah, that's true. But, that's true. But Goodfellas couldn't exist without The Godfather to inform it. It could no, exactly. It started that that whole train. But and then I think it's sort of again, maybe I really drank the Kool Aid, but I <laughs> it's like so much more than a mob movie. But like it's yeah. it is oh, no, so no, it much is. more it's, than it's at for, least as valid as a family drama. Right? Like that's it's what, about, yeah, that's what it feels. It's well, about immigrants, and then you think, it's about generations, and it's about succession. Exactly. Yes, you feel that. You feel that, and then you peel back more layers in the second movie. And um, what was I going to say about the... Um, yeah, I ran over. No, no, it's okay. No, it was something that I think that I wanted to say to you, but I can't remember. But the immigrant thing is an interesting point, because the image of him at the at the airport... You know when they don't know the name, where he's they call him Corleone because of the town he's in, and yeah. seeing him as a little boy go over. I think that stuff is really affecting, and um, yeah, it being a family. Oh, The Sopranos is what I was going to say. I was oh, going to ask sure, if you, yeah, yeah that's heavily, what I wanted to ask you if you were heavily, uh, heavily indebted to both heavily of them, indebted. Right? because that's the the first time that they talk about the world in terms of like. Um, their fictional characters commenting on our pop culture mm-hmm, so you're mm-hmm. interlaced with it and it's so weird that that and Analyze This would come out in the same window of time it's oh so funny that it was at the same time yeah and De Niro is basically he's, he's like I'm cool with just yeah yeah exactly he winks he's like you feel the elbow in the theater he's yes he's a tr- yeah for those who are listening I was doing an elbow but mm-hmm. doesn't translate but, yeah. um, no, it <laughs> it's is, like... but it's like the constant eh? remember? remember yeah yeah whereas I feel like Pacino hasn't done much of that not really, no. Doesn't love like to be, like, winking at the... He's done his own kind of self-parody, but not totally. in the same, like, he's in... I mean, I adore both both Bob and Al. Yeah. Um, Where did he play himself? Oh, uh, Jack and Jill, that Adam Sandler movie. Right, I know I didn't... No, don't. Don't. It's I better this I saw the way. scene, though. I did see no, it. I did. did, I did. I... That's uh, But I've erased it. Yeah. I've erased it. I got to watch Al Pacino with my dad, so for his 50th... Our gift to him was to go to New York to see Al Pacino front row in Merchant of Venice. Oh, or like, and something. I went with him, and it was like watching him watch Al Pacino was like a whole other emotional thing of like <laughs> just like the man crush that was go- just sort of like ah, but also seeing Pacino do that was so cool. And Penelope Cruz and Javier were next to us, which was pretty cool. Ooh, nice. No big. I think they're friends, so he was like there was that connect of like bowing for your friends that are in the audience. Um, <laughs> but yeah, seeing Pacino, seeing. Seeing Michael, really. 
up there was really cool. Yeah. So yeah. is that does that happen for you? Do you sort of see echoes of the performance? Do you, like is he Michael in everything? Uh, I mean no no because then I think of like Scent of a Woman, which is a, that I just love and love him in it. Though should he have won the Oscar for it? I feel like he should have won ages before. Yeah, I mean you never win for the thing you deserve, right? Like almost <sighs> never. I guess that's an interesting point. Um, well, it's you know, and there's the, there's this whole other thing about the like he didn't win for Godfather. So, but there see you go, that right? I think well, and then they teed up three was really supposed to be like they're like, hey, yeah. we'll we'll make you something that you're gonna win for. In one, he was too new probably to win supporting, but two, he absolutely I think should yeah. have won. There was some fright. He was truly terrifying. I wonder if it's that thing where like he's so clearly a co lead that yeah, putting him in supporting doesn't count, doesn't feel right to people or like they resist. Oh, the, it well, somehow. now the politics of, of oh yeah, now it's... The, all that's been unearthed about the politics. Um, of award season yeah um my friend at laney at laney gossip reading her blog during award season i'm like oh my god right that it's sort of t- you know it popped the it burst the bubble for me years ago right, and i'm like yeah. now i feel like i'm in the know like my oscar ballots i'm never not losing that <laughs> yeah. yeah i yeah. just you know I campaigning quote, is a different thing now is what i mean yeah like, oh absolutely they didn't have to jockeying positioning strategy all of it and, and there's so social media in the specialize in this stuff they now. didn't have to even like that wasn't even on the yeah. In the com- I don't think it was. I don't know, but I don't think in the seventies. Probably not at the same scale, no. But I mean, no. and you get like and and you still get the movie winning. So you know well, both times, right? Like yes. one and two. There's no arguing with that. And when you like you look at nineteen seventy four and it's the Godfather two and the conversation and what else? French no, French Connection won in the seventh there's some other film that I always forget was there, and then the Towering Inferno got nominated. And it's like well, Right. Never a contender. No, I don't. And does does it know it's not a contender? Oh no! <laughs> no, they all thought they were making art. Well, well, no, well maybe. But like, but do the people going to the Oscars on the night? Do the filmmakers know that when the Godfather's nominated? Like, are they like, oh, it's gonna be that? Yeah. I just wonder how you know. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder. I mean, I was gonna say you can argue against the idea of the seismic movie winning everything with like. Forrest Gump versus Pulp Fiction, right? But right. But then you've got studios and indies and all the other weird considerations in the '90s and yeah, right. a whole mess of stuff that factors in then that didn't factor in in '71 and '72. Because how and how long after was Godfather Three? I feel like '90, 1990. It is quite a yeah, quite a ways after. And then they aged him up, which I actually feel was I feel like that was where I don't that that's maybe where they went wrong. That was the thing. That went <laughs> You're like through. Paula. I have a whole we list. We can talk it through. The hair. Yeah, no. It it's... just. I feel like had we kept him a little younger, I would have. Yeah. I mean, I still loved it because I. I think on its own, everyone would have liked that movie. I think. You mean, if it just arrived clean. Mm-hmm. I do. I think that because there was so much tied in. Certainly, you know. Now we're getting these long-term sequels where we're used to oh another Blade Runner, another like even the Color right. of Money, right? Yeah. In '86 was twenty odd years after the Hustler. Right. And that would have been 16... It was only 16 years after Godfather 2. But yeah, it felt like That's... this apocal arrival, this huge deal that Coppola... And, and not that Coppola wasn't making that same case. But, um, uh, you know, I think... This is going to sound weird, but I think they fundamentally went wrong when they cast the kids. Because the kid who plays Michael's son looks like Khan, and Andy Garcia looks like Pacino, and he's playing Sonny's kid, and it's just... That oh my god, that's such an interesting. I mean, you're it, not wrong that Andy Garcia absolutely looks like a Pacino's yeah, kid. Yeah, it's so. Doesn't you forget that he's supposed to be James Conn's kid? And then, then there's the incestuous thing. Yeah, that that uh, they're cousins, right? It, yeah. yeah. 
Although, like, Andy Garcia is so hot. Um, <laughs> um, oh, and Sofia Coppola's love, I love her in it. Um, she's fine. Yeah. Like, that's what everyone says, and I think she's more than fine. I think the problem is that the character she's playing is so, like, reactive. And mm. she's surrounded by so many big performances. That's that just playing naturalistically looks wrong. I see you think totally it didn't fit. Yeah, think about how big Pacino is and how big Garcia is. And And Diane. Yeah, all of them. Like Talia Shire's doing that whole... You're uh, not not wrong. That that whole Lady Macbeth thing that she ages into in that movie. Right, there's the whole... There's the religious subplot. Yeah, that's right. They throw a Pope off the staircase in this movie. It's it's a huge, huge film. Yeah. And she's naturalistic. And a couple of other actors are too, and it's not as bad. But because of where the film puts her, and but I thought Andy Garcia wasn't was was doesn't he bite somebody's nose off? Am I missing that? You know what? He very much might. But I I like that. I like that. That's the thing that you're like. But he could have done it somewhere else too. Yeah, I think he eats Joe Mantegna's face. I'm pretty sure. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely doing some crazy shit, yeah. but like... Well, and Coppola's going into full opera mode in the movie too. Yes, he is. No, and that's that's clear. Yeah, yeah. that, but. The ending, to spoil it. Yeah. I don't think you can spoil Godfather 3. It's so... Yeah, you're right. You're like, no one's... Um, people, I mean, people watch it, though, the sure. way I did, where they're like, oh, this is that... I have to watch all three at the... You know, one after the other, once right. you discover the Godfather. I would say, wait, wait a bit. Yeah. Watch one and two, and then watch this another time. I think so. You know, but the ending is pretty beautiful and heartbreaking. It is pretty. I mean, well, and that he ends... That he dies alone, I think, is and, and old, I think, is is cool for the end of it all. Yeah, it is the Poetic. The, the, the one... I was going to say it's a beautiful echo, but it is the one great concept of this movie is that the everybody else dies violently, but these men who have engineered and orchestrated all of this horrible, oh, horrible that's... stuff, they just live. Nobody gets to them. Like, they get shot, they get better. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Collapse, they're in, they're it's fine. like a... Yeah, body of steel. And yeah. that he's, you know... Probably very unhappy is the other. Yeah, no, you have to you live know? with your misery yeah, for as long really as it dark. takes, or your lack thereof, right? Like you make everybody else miserable around you. Yeah, but I think that's what's so effective about. I, I'm wondering if maybe that's why the first movie landed as well as it did because everybody has these nightmare families. Everybody has this idea that family is a trap, and this one articulates it in such a horrible way yeah. that we all feel better for our own situations watching it. I mean... It makes everyone I, feel better, like, thank yeah. God I wasn't Yeah, not that I that have mess. nightmare relatives or anything, but everybody hears stories about, oh, this one character, this one person in the family, and then you see this where there are no good people. I mean, Fredo's the sweet one, but he still betrays everybody. Oh my God, but who wants to be afraid of? Yeah, we're all... Although that performance... Yeah, oh believe. no, yeah. Sal, I mean, God. Sal, like what he... D- and then Dog Day Afternoon also, like... Yep. Every and Deer Hunter, made, right? everybody Every, he made. made five movies. They're all classics. Crazy. Um, yeah. yeah, no one wants to be. We do a game of like who's who in the family. Like who's <laughs> our Sonny? Who's our like who has the temper? Who you never want to be afraid of at the family dinner. No, that's that's kind of been my. That's the way I understand the Trump situation. Is they're all Fredos, and that's... it makes it slightly easier to handle what's happening in the world. Just that's because, interesting. Yeah, nobody's at the wheel. Like they're all just fumbling around that trying they're to prove ter- how yeah. smart they are and how best they are and how great they are. And I was like, nope. Yeah. You can all see right through it. Yeah. And then they're also like Solotso and they're they're they're, yeah. they're, a, they're a mix. Yeah. They're a real hybrid of a few, Pick but your, you're yeah. right. You're right. Fredo does speak to a lot of what's going yeah. on. It's <laughs> weird, right? Like, I mean, if you look back and you see that in 1972, 
charismatic leadership, right? Like it was an answer to Nixon. It was an answer to, mm-hmm. to even Johnson before that. There, these guys were people who could get stuff done at a time when America was was looking like the worst place it had been with civil rights and Vietnam and yeah. the sexual revolution. Everybody was it was all chaos. And here's this myth of order achieved through crime. Uh-huh. But it's this movie that tells you, you know, like, you know, if somebody knows what he's doing, maybe get out of his way. Yeah. And then you see somebody as charismatic as Pacino become that leader. And you're like, yeah, okay, he makes some pretty valid yeah, points. Yeah, it's a shame yeah. about all the bodies. Okay. Yeah, but he's, he's there. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. No, it's an interesting point because I'm thinking about um, how cool it is and then also devastating it is to watch things watch movies that were made during one political time yeah. and watch them now with a whole new lens with everything that's going on and see it in a whole other way mm-hmm. you know guess i'm popping this in <laughs> for the 17th time this evening yeah i was gonna say sunny's treatment of women is gonna play very differently in the post weinstein world right like now that we are at least sunny's finally... treatment of women yeah i was gonna say sunny's and then also Oh, that's I mean, true. The brother is basically gaslighting K, isn't he? Oh, I was going to say the brother-in-law that's abusing. Oh, that guy. Yeah, fuck But that. you're right. The whole... Oh, sure. The whole thing is... Yeah. Is, is fucked. No, even... even... You, have to, you know, like, it was a different time. You have to make... You have to start making excuses. But it's depicting criminal behavior. I don't think we have to make excuses. I think we're, we're signing on to them being criminals. Yeah. Like, that's fine. But yeah, but also we sort of... I think that the thing that the movie does really well is we're just, like, in the world going, oh, that's what they do. That's the framework. But we're actually just viewing them as, like... We're into, we're like, hey, they got to win. Yeah. yeah. They're going to beat those guys. Like, no, they're all bad guys. Yeah. You know? No, it's exactly what you said about paving the way for the antiheroes. These people are our heroes because we're yeah. in the room with them. You spend enough time with them and you start to. They go, they're real people. Yeah. And, and, you, and you they're can't. having dinner with their families. And, you know, it's, I think that um, Mrs. Corleone is really, because she doesn't have a ton to do, but she's so authentically like, you just feel exactly that whole woman's story. Mm-hmm. And in the few things she does do, like, you know, intimating that Sunny shouldn't get involved in, you know, her daughter's marriage and anything like that, just so speaks to that, that time. And like, oh, that was a different time. And, yeah. you know, the boys are doing what they're doing over there and like, don't look. Yeah. And you it's, know? I always forget it's a period piece. I mean, I know it is, but I always You're forget. Right. Like it's set in the fifties. You're right. The, I know. There's the late 40s right because michael's back from the war yeah exactly and exactly it, we sort of go it's seven no right there it's not i thought i often go oh, every time i put it in like, oh. and then the flashbacks in sicily are yeah in two right they're like 1910s 1920s mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or even earlier it's like turn of the century stuff yeah how old are how old are they supposed to be in this like how old do you figure michael is come i think he's not yet 30 or okay, maybe yeah. about he's not to playing be. like 25 then no, but he's young. Like he's fresh faced, and he's the youngest, I think, of the of the boys. Uh, yes, Fredo's right, got to be a bit. Sonny's junior, right? He would have been the firstborn. Oh yeah. Then, um, Connie, I think. Then Fredo? right, Connie. Yeah, I think Fredo's like second. Fredo's totally a middle kid. He's absolutely a middle <laughs> kid. I was like, look, look, look at me, and Duval. Oh, that's right. We didn't even mention we didn't Robert even, Duvall. Shout out to him. Uh, also, it's because he's not some... in three and like they disappeared him, which still feels wrong. But he's wrong. in two. He is in two, yeah. But it's no, that... Tom Hagen is essential. Hagen's very much in two, but I was I was saying that with the tone of, but you know who isn't in two in that beautiful flashback scene is... Exactly. Yes. Yeah, something's missing. 
No, sorry, Somebody I else? meant I meant the scene at the end where they have the dinner flashback at yeah. the end, and they don't they couldn't get Brando, so oh, they say right. we're prepping for Dad's birthday. Yeah. I almost thought that was more beautiful that he wouldn't do it, and they had to write it that way because he died anyway. So it's this memory of like they're yeah. waiting for him to get home. Oh yeah, no, it's really cool. It is. It's it's. Um, I remember. I, like the first time I saw that, I was stunned that they got Con back. I was. I thinking, gave me. I remember being like, oh. I love that. And then it's like now we have dead characters returning in flashbacks or flash forwards or stuff all the time. And we're just I know. So when people used are killed it. off something, it's never. Yeah. I know because of that time, it felt like a big get. And also, no one was like leaking that story, probably. Yeah, of course, because you'd want it to be a surprise. You'd want it to be something for the audience, and yeah. you would want, I think, as an audience member, not to spoil it for people either. Totally, because it's just this lovely grace note. And it made it feel horrible, warm. Horrible story. I know. Grace note is such a good way to put it. Mm. See, a story about crime has us feeling warm at the end. It does, right? Like, you just watched a guy have his brother killed, and here you still go out feeling good about and, it. And that you're sort of like, I guess he's, I guess he's got him. I guess Fredo's... Yeah. I guess that he's got to go. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's completely unreasonable. That scene, the kiss, is really uh, devastating. Yeah. I mean, so much of that movie. It's I know. I'm going so... into two. I'm doing oh, both. No, it's, it's a bleed over. Someone else can still do two on this. I assume you would do this. And You're like, okay. she's going to talk about two and three. It can't be helped, though, because the... I mean, for, for better or worse, this is one of those works that every piece informs the other, and, and it reverberates yeah. through itself to the point it's where... Like, yeah. And the music, I do have to, like, for me, it's like, it, it take the beginning note and chord, you're like, it's iconic. You know it now. Yeah. I Like, the waltz is so beautiful. Not even just the, the classic. All of it's, like, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful um, music and score that built this whole world. Music's so important to me in movies. Yeah. That music can just, or not enough. Yeah. Score. Or too much. Absolutely. I mean, too much God. as well. I saw something just a couple of weeks ago that was like so drenched in music oh, like, to tell you how to feel in every scene. I don't like misleading score, but how do you make, how do you add music and not have it lead? It's a tricky, Yeah, being tasteful, I think is really important. And mm. score is becoming more interesting in film now, or, or just different in film where like people are using sounds like what um, The Dark Knight did right. so well. Drone with tone thing. Creating like non-sounds to find the Joker's like just it's really cool yeah, you know creating anarchy and chaos on the soundtrack without it on the screen yeah yeah or um, is it Johan Johan Johansson on Arrival that score yeah, that sort of beautiful yes. drifting cloud thing yes or like the Her soundtrack which is like oh yeah you know you can just it creates a whole mood like I'll listen to it and remember the whole movie immediately yeah. I did that I don't pull out soundtracks as often as I probably should now that you mention it I do it now to when I'm writing because I find if I have any music on I want to sing with it if it has lyrics and I'll just like sing along <laughs> so I have to take that away and just listen to score it's so calming really or it can set you up for like anxiety yeah whatever you need to be writing you know yeah I was on a Michael Giacchino kick a little while ago I was listening to the Star Trek score and Spider-Man Homecoming and Doctor Strange cool. and they're all so propulsive cool yeah except that when I got caught in the rain during Homecoming it's just like I'm in a movie now this is like this is like my this, movie yeah I was running home trying to outrun the rain and the, the score is pumping and well like, you know we all great. like feeling in a day that there's whenever it's raining I say I put on the Lumineers <laughs> <laughs> like that's my Lumineers sure that's my rain day music just driving and like sad just punch your way through it yeah 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 just really sit in the mood of the day you know <laughs> <laughs> but this can always lift me i was gonna say how do you use the godfather when do you de- when do you deploy that score um family dinners <laughs> like to just be like hey just guys in the background playing quietly. sometimes we've got like really on the nose music like that um 
yeah, well, you know what? It was someone's wedding. Not the not the do do but the waltz, which right. is less like their killers. The waltz <laughs> was my aunt's dance or something. With it was really nice, actually. We forgot it was about mobsters, but it was a beautiful, oh, beautiful nice. score. Yeah, it does work on its own too. I mean, you can remove it from the film, and it's still that's good music, and, though. I'm down with that. Warm. My yeah. brother scored um, mine and Mike's features. Uh, fe- the reason feature for Sadie. And just working with someone who, like, you know as a musician to do, like, he's a pianist who's amazing, but being like, okay, can you do that, but, like, this tiny mood of a thing, and, like, just the brain of a musician and how they work to tell yeah. to tell a story like that is really cool to me. So, shout out to composers. No, absolutely. score, you know? And this does bring us to the, the closer of the, the final question of the, of the podcast, which is, you know, what of The Godfather, if anything, have you borrowed or stolen or incorporated into your own creative DNA and performance or writing or producing? Uh-huh. I think there's so much up? more than I even think, probably. Um, performances, I think, have all... And so many performances in it, I think, stay with me at different uh, in different situations. So, like, on the filmmaker side of things, I think it's a movie that I look to and go, look how well cast that is. You can cast a family that actually feels like they're, you know, made of the same fabric. That's so exciting to me. And I love being on the other side of things and being able to cast, you know, when we are making our own projects. So I, that's been a thrill, but I do look to that, this movie for that. And then as an actor, I mean, uh, as a child actor, I certainly wasn't aware of any like darkness, but I remember doing a kid's show once and the director's like, I cast you because I saw some darkness. I'm like, really? And being scared of your darkness and then finally going, I can lean into that um, is something that I think all the actors in this do really well. So um, just kind of like, I mean, everything about it, but but uh, namely, I think um, the kind of slow way in which Pacino peels back the layers of where he's headed. Mm-hmm is really inspiring to me um yeah but i mean you should maybe choose one i it's a lot (laughs) i love it all through and through and i think it's with me more than i more than i think it is you know right yeah so when you do set up these um these screenings for people yeah so i'm just really curious do you set a mood do you do you uh the mood is there's gonna be like olive oil and bread um (laughs) it's me with my laptop and an ox not an ox i don't understand technology it's the cord the hmi cord oh Oh my gosh you're like you probably have every cord i'm talking about it's okay that cord into the tv and uh i sort of touch base on are you comfortable with me talking are you not i ordered veal sandwiches from san francesco nice bakery which is a place that my grandfather would take my dad and that I would go with him. So it has nothing to do with The Godfather, but it just has a Sicilian memory to me. It's a proper tradition, yeah. So that's, those are the key pillars to these screenings, and welcome to do, happy to do one for you on my tiny con. It's not quite as nice as your setup, but uh, it's always about food, and it's always about, like, I'll chat if you want me to. People's, like, we'll see what, what the next, how the next one goes. I might be just, like, kinder and zip it, because then when we get to... Take the gun, leave the cannoli. Oh, sorry. Mm. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. Of course, take the cannoli. And another favorite line of mine is, um, but it's said in Sicilian, is in Sicily, women are more dangerous than shotguns. (laughs) So good. So good. It's a good line. Yeah. I'll just say it here so that I can get it out and not say it during the screening. (laughs) My thanks to Paula Brancati, who you can see on Netflix right now in Slasher Guilty Party. If you're in the U.S., Netflix also has Sadie's Last Days on Earth, the sweet, slightly weird teen dramedy that she produced and co-stars in. You can also find it on VOD pretty much everywhere. 
It's charming. Check it out. And keep an eye out for Edging, a little movie by Natty Zavitz in which Paula really pops. You can find Paula on Twitter at Paula Brancati, all one word, and you can find The Godfather on Blu-ray and DVD from Paramount Home Entertainment in an excellent restoration, either on its own or as part of the Godfather trilogy. It's also available on iTunes and Google Play. Oh, and Andy Garcia bites Joe Mantegna's ear off in the third one. Not his nose. My mistake. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at SomeoneElsesMovie.com. If you want to leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever, that would be greatly appreciated. Go to the mattresses. Thanks for listening. I'm afraid you're just too darn loud.